As you arrive at Acts chapter 17 and verse 10, we are introduced to a section written by the beloved physician Luke about the works of the apostles as they went from place to place. As you begin to think about some of the things that are written, I try to put myself in the position of Paul or Silas or one of those great men of God who were speaking his word. And for me, it's very difficult to imagine being so devoted to a cause that people want to kill you almost everywhere you go. If you're reading and through the book of Acts as we're preaching these lessons, one of the things you realize is that Paul is facing death for what he is doing. And yet that's the same kind of commitment that God wants out of each of us. Yesterday at the funeral of my brother-in-law, I learned a few things about him that I did not know. I knew he had served in the Vietnam War, but I learned that he had also received a number of commendation medals because they were shot down and the pilot of his plane, he drug him out and saved his life and uh, received a commendation medal for that. After he had retired from the military, then he became a police officer. And he was shot at several times and was um, beaten as a police officer. And I learned that uh, sometimes people's lives are challenging and difficult. But he was committed to that very cause. And imagine how committed Paul was to the preaching of the gospel. And yet, as you think about what Paul did, not everyone responded to him very positively. In fact, he describes to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 15, And I will gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. Paul said, the more effort I seem to place into preaching the gospel because I want to teach your souls, some of you don't love it and you don't love the truth. Well, I want you to imagine, here's Paul. As we studied last Sunday, he was in the city of Thessalonica where the words that rang out, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Thessalonica was the capital city. Paul now has left and traveled 45 miles to the small town of Berea. But what did he find here? He found a refreshing change. He found a group of people who were a little different than those in Thessalonica. And he describes them particularly in verse 11. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. The words that the New King James translates fair-minded, the original King James and the American Standard translate as noble, is from a word which really means, literally means, good birth. In fact, if you looked at the word and transliterated into English letters, you would say that word is Eugene. 
The words EU or the letters EU means good. And the last part, gene, means the part of birth. So it's literally good birth. But it describes a man, for instance, who was very prominent. He had had a, a higher pedigree. He had illustrious ancestors. And it came to mean a person who was able to think, who was able to reason. We would call it someone who's smart. And you can see why Paul would refer to these Jews in that way. Because these Jews that he met here at Berea were willing to listen. They were willing to learn. They were not like so many who would just claim and say, I am a Jew by birth. In Romans chapter 2 verse 28, Paul would write, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart and the spirit and not in the letter whose praise is not from men, but from God. And then he turns his attention to say, what is their profit in being a Jew? And he says in verse 2, much in every way, chiefly because to them were committed the oracles of God. These are the people who've had God's word. How do they respond to it? I can tell you how. If you're a good person, you will listen to it. You will learn from it, and you will obey it. Well, how did they demonstrate nobility in their own lives? This is a very simple lesson we're going to look at in verses 11 and 12, and that is going to be that they received the word, then they researched the word, and then they responded to it. And as you look at that, it may seem so simple, but you start asking yourselves, do we do that? Let's look and see. Let's look at verse 11. Why would they receive it more readily than others? If you look at the verse, it says, These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness. Well, as you think about readiness, it has to do with somebody who really wants to do something. Someone says, okay, how many of you are ready to go have fun? You know what we do? Is it, count me in, count me in, I'm ready. On the other hand, if we've got some work to do, how many of you are ready to work? We don't throw our hands up as fast. When it comes to noble people, Paul talked about the ready mind. They wanted to raise funds for the people who were needy in Jerusalem. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul says, but now you must also complete the doing of it, that as there was the readiness to desire it, so also there must be the completion out of what you have. For if there is first a willing mind, that's the telling words, the willing mind. You want to know God's word? You've got to have a willing mind. You want to be noble like they were? You've got to have a willing mind. That's people who are ready to receive something. But the aspect of it is, is you've got to have a reason that you're willing. Because when you look at this message that's being preached, is it from God or is it from man? Listen as Paul writes to Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing because when you received the word of God, 
which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of man, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectively works in you who believe. Think with me for just a moment. When someone starts speaking, how do you view these words that are being preached? When you and I see scripture on the screen or in our Bibles, or we hear it quoted, do we say that's God's word, or do we say that's just simply the words of man? We wonder sometimes why the people of the world don't listen. I know why they don't listen. Is because when you talk to them about the Bible, they think that this is just a book among books. No more inspired than the words of William Shakespeare or any other author. However, when you and I approach the Bible, if we see it as the Word of God, then it does have some great impact and we want to receive it. I'm not going to read all of it, but Jesus gave a great parable in Luke chapter 8. We often call it the parable of the soils. It's really about the heart and how the heart receives the gospel message. He will talk about there was a great multitude gathered. They'd come from every city. He spoke to them a parable. And you can see the way people respond to him. He said a sower went out to sow seed. And I'm just going to summarize here. He throwed some and it ended up on the wayside. He sowed other and it was uh, on the rock. And it sprang up and it lacked moisture and it withered. Some fell among the thorns and some fell on good ground. And they brought forth based upon the kind of soil that they were. Verse 9, then his disciples asked him, saying, What then or what does this parable mean? And he said to them, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to the rest it is given in parables that seeing they may see and hearing they may hear and not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. You see, he's talking about people who how they receive it. And that's exactly the way it is in the world today. Some people's heart is so hard like it's that packed down wayside soil and they won't listen. Others will grasp it quickly. But they have no depth. They don't really receive it deep down in their heart. Others allow it to be choked out by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life, and they bring no fruit to maturity, verse 14. But then there are those who are the good ground, having heard the word with a noble and good heart. I begin to understand now. The readiness of mind that people receive God's word with it's because they understand what it is. It is the Word of God and it can effectively work within us. When Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, along with the other 11 apostles, we learn from verse 41 of Acts 2, then those who gladly received His Word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. So I ask you, are you noble? Do you receive the word of God as it is? The word of God. And do you listen to it and accept it and let it go deep down into your heart? 
Second idea. We talked about the source of the message is extremely important. Let's look at what we find here in the latter part of verse 11. And they searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. They searched the scriptures. Now today we have a lot of different men preaching a lot of different messages. Some of it is pop psychology and you say, what's that? Oh, you talk about relationships and you talk about things that are how humans interact with one another. There's a number of entertaining stories that are being delivered. People will use extended illustrations, and when they get through with the illustration, you say, what was that about? I don't know, but it, I really like the story. Or many people now are caught up in the speculations. Maybe, maybe God would like this, or maybe God would like that. And you find people, and they scratch their head, and they say, where is that at? Where is that at? God's people will demand a thus saith the Lord. God's people will say, I want you to give me a book, a chapter, and a verse where that is taught. If it is in God's word, you know what we ought to do with it? We ought to receive it immediately. If it is not in God's word, you know what we ought to do is say, that's not in God's word and we reject it. I want you to listen to Isaiah 8 and verse 20. Isaiah prophesied during a period of time much like 2019 where people are following all sorts of ideas and he says to the law and to the testimony if they do not speak according to this word it's because there's no light in them. These people research to see whether these things were so. Jeremiah 10.23 says, O Lord, I know the way of man is not a man that walks to direct his own steps. You take you or myself and you take God's word away from us and we don't have any real direction. And so I've got to be searching daily to find out whether these things were so. Here's where so many people are today. As Romans 1 and verse 22 says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. People who believe that they're smarter than God and smarter than His Word. But then it talks about this searching or examining the Scriptures the original word used here means to sift through the facts. Someone gets up and does, as I am trying to do this morning, to take a portion of God's word and explain it, to encourage it in your lives, hopefully sometimes to educate us. You've got to examine whether or not that is in accordance with what God has said. Just like a judge or maybe a jury, when the facts are presented to you, you say, okay, I'm going to have to sort out the things that might be contrary, and then I'm going to have to find the truth. When Peter was set free in Acts chapter 12, 
Herod was looking for Peter, wanted to know where he was at. It says, but when Herod had searched for him and not found him, he examined the guards and commanded that they should be put to death. He examined them, searched for them. What did those guards say? Okay, I was here, I was there, I did this. You've got to examine the facts. John chapter 5. Jesus has Jews in front of him. And he's been trying to tell them that he is the Son of God. And he said in verse 39, You search the Scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. Yes, you you take God's word, you search through it, and you see whether or not what is being taught is correct, whether it's so. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 12, Peter is describing what the prophets did. He said, of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand of the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. These men searched. They inquired. You know what a a, a great student of the Bible does? He listens with these ready ears, an open mind, and he says, okay, now what's being said? Okay, I want to see that. I want to see that where that's in Scripture. And then he also says, maybe there's another passage in Scripture. I love sitting and listening to other teachers and preachers because when I do, my mind is constantly thinking, oh, yeah, that goes with this. That goes with that. In 1 Thessalonians 5.21, test all things, hold fast what is good. 1 John 4 verse 1, though, tells us, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits because many false prophets have gone out into the world. It doesn't matter whether it's me. It doesn't matter who it is. You need to make sure that you know that what you're being taught is correct. So these noble people, they received the word with all readiness. They researched it to make sure it was true. And then they responded to the word. Notice verse 12. Therefore, many of them believed, and not a few of the Greeks. Prominent women as well as men Well, think of the response that is indicated here in Berea. You come and you preach, and when you preach to them, it says that many of them believed. What causes belief? Here you've got a person who wants to become a child of God. How did they get their faith? Romans 10 and verse 17 said, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Oh, what you have in the earlier parts in verse 11 is they receive the word with all readiness of mind. They search the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Yeah, that's where the faith comes from. We often will 
repeat to someone, they say, what do I, must I do to become a Christian? I usually tell them, take your hand. You hear, you believe, you repent, you confess, and you're baptized. Sometimes people mock us and call us five-steppers. But you see, you've got to have hearing before you have faith. In this very context, he says, How shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear except they preach? And how shall they preach except they are sent? You see, in this context, it's obvious you've got to have faith that comes from hearing. But there's a strong temptation that is recorded in the Bible where people will listen only and not act. That is, they'll hear the message, but then it doesn't translate to action in their lives. Listen to James 1, beginning with verse 21, going through verse 25. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. And he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what manner of man he is. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, not a forgetful here, but a doer of this work, this one will be blessed in what he does. James is reflecting what all of us know is true. If you see something, if you don't do something, it doesn't change anything at all. You go and you look at yourself in a mirror and your hair is all disheveled. You look and you see you need to shave. Maybe you, you see there's other blemishes that you need to address. And he says, if you don't do anything, you forget what person you are. If you come and you listen to a sermon or you go into a Bible class and you don't do what you learn you ought to do, you've not benefited yourself at all. These are noble people here in Berea. Why? Because not only do they readily receive, not only do they uh, research, but they're the ones who said, okay, I'm going to do it. Jesus asked in Luke 6, 46, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Why would you say, yes, Lord Jesus, and then not do what the Lord told you to do? Of course, I think perhaps many of us fall in the category of what Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 says. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. He goes on to say in verse 2, For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Here's what I'm afraid most of us do. We neglect it. We're not paying attention. We're not listening carefully. And then what happens? We get up, we walk out the door, we forget what we heard. We neglect to do what we know we ought to do. So I ask the question. These good brethren here in Berea were noble. 
Are you noble in your reception and research and response to the word? It will judge you in the last day. When Jesus comes back to this earth and all those who are in the graves shall hear his voice and come forth. And those of us who might be still alive at that time are changed. Then we shall be brought before the great white throne. Revelation chapter 20 verse 10 and following. And Jesus said in John 12 verse 48. He who rejects me and does not receive my words. That which judges him in the last day. The word that I've spoken shall judge him in the last day. You're going to be there. The books are going to be opened and you're going to be judged by the things found in this book. We're going to sing an invitation song. And if you need to become a Christian, why not? Because of your faith, repent of your sins. Confess that faith and be baptized. If you are a Christian and you're struggling with sin in your life and you know that it's there, but you want to do something about it, you've got a desire to do something about it. We're going to sing the song, There's a Fountain Free, and if you need to respond, please come as together we stand and sing.